Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then move my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. Hey everybody, my guest today on In a Mississippi Minute is proof that we Mississippians can meet someone new and become fast, fast friends in the blink of an eye. We invited he and his bride, Mary Beth, to our Delta Soul Celebrity last year for the first time, and the game has been on ever since. Please welcome (laughs) one of the greatest to ever call signals at Mississippi State, lucky number 13, the cool John Bond. How are you? How How are you? you? Yeah, I'm good. Everything good in your world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're a couple hours away. We could always meet like in Yazoo City and have lunch or something afterwards. Who knows? Or dinner. It's going to be dinner time. You know, being in the music world, I I sometimes forget hours. You know, even with uh, as the kids get older, I'm starting to revert back to the days in Nashville when I uh, when I we would sleep in a little bit. And then when the kids were born, then the game was really on. And, you know, there was no sleep. I haven't slept in years. It gets busy then. Then the fun starts. It is the fun. There's nothing better. And you think about your dad growing up yeah. and we're getting to watch you play, you know, and your mom getting to watch you perform and whatever they did growing up was nothing compared to watching your kid just not only advance but you know just make an impact. And you know as a parent, you know it's it's what we live for. You you're absolutely right. Now um you know and I, I, we're probably going to talk about this later but you know my son Andrew I lost him uh, I know. several years ago. And, you know, February first, two thousand ten. In fact, and uh, mm. but I, w- I was watching him one day. I went and uh, with his mom, and he had just started playing baseball, and he was young for his age, and was playing with the older guys. And uh, you know, it was about a three year gap between the oldest and the youngest. And um, and he let let off batting, and you know, and I'm sitting in the stands, and the very first pitch, you got to throw it over the plate, and whap, he powers it down the third baseline, and then as he's running to first base, he's waving at me. wow oh man you know and he played every position and all that but you know just that little bit of what i got to see of him playing it was i can't imagine when these other ones grow up and start playing well that's another whole yeah and and i know and i know you're you're getting close to that but the the story of andrew it just you know um i remember when uh my wife gwen and and i were we didn't know you know because we just met you and we've been gone for so long that we were out of touch you know, you guys are in well, yeah, prayers always and, now. You, you are, and I can't I appreciate imagine that. You know, and it's it's uh, you know, it's tough. But I mean, you know, life goes on, and and you know, people have lives and things to lead. And you've got other kids, and and uh, you know, you do the best you can for him now, and uh, and we do, and we have Andrew's mission, and we 
Right. You know, we send kids on mission trips every year, so it's uh, it's been a, a a curse and a blessing. You know, it's uh, it's been hard to live with, but it's uh, uh, we're making some good out of it. Well, that's let, all you can do. so let me ask you, let me ask you this. Speaking of Andrew's mission, let's talk about that. We're talking to John Bond, uh, Lucky Number Thirteen, as I call him, uh, from uh-huh. the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The time when I was growing up as a kid, uh, you were a couple years ahead of me. So as a as a football fan, obviously living down in the South in Mississippi, you know, we we were big into it all. Um, I was torn between all the teams in Mississippi at that time. I yeah. was I was following. Ole Miss, Jackson State, Valley State, Delta State, which is where I ended up going to graduate in Mississippi College, Southern Miss, Alcorn State, the W, for goodness sake. If you are a a fan of football and a fan of men and men and women in general that go out and do great things, then you got to be a fan of the adopted son that we, you know, that used to eat peaches and now traded it in for magnolias and pines, John Bond. John. That's right. Tell me something. That's right. So, so take me on Andrew's mission. Tell me about the foundation yeah. and, and what goes on yearly and, and how active everything's going. Just just go ahead and give us, it, uh, you know, all there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we are. We uh, I actually just I raise money and send kid on, kids on mission trips. I pay for the mission trips. Um, uh, we've been on a couple. We've taken um, uh, kids and, and materials and all this to a place in, called Playa del Car- uh, Karma in Costa Rica. It's uh, we built classrooms and churches. Wow. It started out kind of as a, a tribute to Andrew because he absolutely loved mission trips. I mean, he went on one every year. He had just come uh, for his accident. He just came back from Southeast Asia, where he was so excited they actually got to pass out Bibles in China, which is unheard of. And uh, he was really excited about that. And, and I guess you know he was he was just wore out from the trip and fell asleep. You know when he had his accident. But but we've sent uh, kids on mission mm. trips every year since then. And in fact, the uh, the very first person, other than he, I sent his cousin and his brother, were the first two. But the p- other person was um, uh, a kid, a graduate assistant from Ballasta, Georgia, and he is now. He decided to go because of that trip. He decided to go into a seminary, and he's planting churches now in North Carolina. So it's amazing. Yes, it's amazing how the the kid even you know, it got on my radar. It's funny. I was at uh, the construction company here in, in Jackson, and our receptionist said hey john um have you got everything settled with andrew's mission i said yeah well can we can start collecting money and and sending kids on mission trips she said great well i was thinking of madison mississippi this is you know a lady that lives here and she said well i've got a family in our church that uh their son is trying to raise money to go to uh the bahamas to paint churches and to you know and to preach the gospel and all that on a mission trip and i said great he's gone We're, what's his name and and you know and all that she goes well, his name is Chad Atkins, and he is actually he's in Valdosta, Georgia, right now. <laughs> I said what? Because I always said that I was going to send at least one. Because Andrew was born in Valdosta, so wow. I was going to send at least one person from Valdosta every year. And wow. that very first one I sent is now playing churches in North Carolina. So, unbelievable! Uh, uh, un- yeah. Unbelievable! So tell me, uh, how can people uh, contribute and check check more out about Andrew's mission? Yeah, great. We've got uh, we've got a website, and actually, believe it or not, I just got hacked. Um, and got happens a, to me all I've the time. Got a buddy of my, yeah, I'm the yeah, king of hack. Well, I've got a buddy of mine. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I want to hack the guy, but. Uh, but he's actually working on it as we speak. But yes, it's a five hundred one c three, completely, you know, and totally uh, tax deductible. We ought to have that that website up and running here in the next few days. It's uh, it's been a little while, but you know, it's my next door neighbor, and he's the uh, 
computer guru and right. he's doing it for the right price but you know when you get it for the right price it may not get done quite as fast well yeah 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 well, the, but 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 we have we've always been a fan of that that's always good we just have to, exactly. it's a mississippi minute you know that it's a miss it takes it takes oh, 60 of them it. i you know. love your name by the way yeah. well well it's a song that that i wrote years ago uh yeah. co-wrote with some buddies uh and uh and i had to have some sort of use for it so uh yeah, you know, well, it <laughs> the day of the modern age uh singer songwriters you know we uh we turn it into a radio show who would who would think it who would think it all right <laughs> great so I so i want to take people a little bit on my first journey uh out of town with you and mary beth gwen and i were uh we were invited to come uh to a game this this year and Oh, Talk, yeah, yeah. You know, talking to John Bond, number 13. And Johnny goes, hey, you kept texting, going, we'll find a game. Well, I was busy. You know, we were on the road a lot. You know, I was tour, still touring right. and still doing things. So, of course, I, I see the one gap and the one weekend, and it's the Alabama game. And you go, of course, that's the one you'd pick. <laughs> and I go, like, well, then, you know, hey, I said, listen, and by the way, I like to roll. We, we, we like to roll, so we got to make sure. I mean, I like to be on the field. I like to be in suites. You know, I'm a little spoiled. And you go, hey, you don't think i don't have connections big dog and and i loved it so much I, I could tell i could tell i got you in a little bit of a tizzy right there through the text message i got you worked up but we had such a great time that weekend and and you're the kind of guy it's like it's like the story says you know heck we might not know somebody and and you know us mississippi types we get to know each other pretty quick uh the, yes, the, the story goes but we had such a wonderful weekend got to get to know the brian family george and wilkes and little george at old waverly yeah and what a great weekend. And and I want to say this. What a great football experience. Now, I, I had a lot of friends that went to both with, with all the schools, right, in the state. Yeah. And and I would go, you know, and when it was Jerry Rice and Willie Totten, we grew up playing ball against Willie Totten one form or the other. He was he was in our uh, Jay-Z George. So we'd go watch him at Mississippi oh, yeah. Valley State. And we'd go watch, obviously, you guys at State and, and Ole Miss and Southern and back in the days of Brett. And, I mean, it never ended, right? And so, right. so anyway, but the experience of that night uh, with being a close game uh, and yeah, you know, it was a good one. seeing the the Journey song, Don't Stop Believing, everybody's got their phones lit up and they're playing the cowbells. Yeah. I just thought that that was uh, it was an amazing experience. Was it? You know, you've been you've been going to Mississippi State games, obviously. Where does it sort of rank now as far as what it was like with you? And has it always given you that feeling, or is it? Are they stepping it up now? You know, it has. Cowbells were outlawed when I was playing, yeah. but they still had them, and they had them outside. And I I still get get chills when I hear the cowbells. It's something that you know just never goes away. And with we would take the buses from Shire Fieldhouse over to the stadium, uh, and all, along the way, you know, everybody just they'd be, you know, like you were in a parade. Right. It was like the dog walk, but we were on buses, <laughs> you know, and and, uh, and everybody, you know, ringing their cowbell and banging on the bus, and it's just it's hard to stay in your seat when all that's going on, and it's but it's it's pretty exciting now too to see that thing filled up, and you know, it wasn't but about thirty thousand people when I was playing, but we played a lot of our games here in Jackson. And uh, as right. memorial, and and they try to claim that the largest crowd was at Mississippi State, but still, it was it was a Mississippi State Ole Miss game in 1980 for 60, almost 65,000. I still, I still got it. Well, I think <laughs> I think if you made the the stadium 8,000, people would show up. We're with John Bond. We're gonna be right back. You are in a Mississippi minute. I'm Steve Azar. Cause she's still there and life ain't there and this road goes on. 
Head to Head with Matt Wyatt and Richard Cross. Number one, number one. very best in sports. Weekday afternoons, 3 to 6, on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. We're with number 13, uh, the greatest to ever wear that number, even better than Dan Marino as far as I'm concerned, because Joe Montana used to put it to him, you know, being a, a Notre Dame family, which is uh, where my dad and brother went. That's uh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're with, we're with Johnny, and uh, we've been talking about the... Uh, just the hoopla that goes on and and it's so funny how could you how could you outlaw the cowbell and who's gonna enforce it because it hadn't been enforced and who did <laughs> it right. did that happen when well, that happened with Shug jordan uh coach at auburn uh, the, i had a game over here that auburn was supposed to win and and mississippi state uh beat them I, I think that's the way it ended up i think we ended up beating them and uh but he blamed it on the cowbell so he went to the <laughs> You know, at that time, Auburn was, well, not unlike they are now, but they had a lot of stroke in the FCC, and he went to the FCC and said, you know, this is illegal. It's oh, an yeah. artificial noisemaker, and they shouldn't be allowed. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I think, I think yeah, people so. that are born state fans, I think they, they actually come out of the womb with it now. So I think it's, I think he's <laughs> wrong about that. He's sort of attached, glued to the hip. All right, so. It just made it worse. It made it, it, made it a novelty, and, and just it put it all in the forefront. Oh, yeah. I think it made it actually worse. Yeah, yeah, that just that so, just fueled the fire. I get it. I totally yeah. get it. All right, so t- I want to go back in time a little bit. I want to go back growing yeah. up because you were obviously yeah. an athlete that was excelling in in so many sports, and you had decisions to make. And uh, you, you know, and and just growing up in your family, tell me about tell me about your folks athletically. Yeah, and because obviously with a talent like you. It has to. I just feel like there's got to be a serious genetic thing going on. My mom was a heck of an athlete, believe it or not. My dad was was the brainiac, and and uh, he was the psychologist and all that stuff. So uh, he got his, actually got his doctorate from Alabama. Um, wow! But he got his undergraduate from Mississippi State. But mom was a heck of a track star and, and basketball player at at Perk Junior College, and until you know until I guess probably in the seventies, she held uh, the record for most points in a basketball game for uh, you know for girls wow and it was like 38 or something you know i mean uh, but she was a heck of an athlete no three-pointers yeah, you're talking about no them three the hard pointers, uh-uh. yeah yeah so uh she was lighting it up around the time you know uh well i guess it was uh, maybe a few years before pete maravich you know but uh yeah, yeah. but anyway with you know they were both state grads and um uh, from the coast from the mississippi gulf coast so so we got uh, down to the coast a lot i was actually uh, born in Starkville when my dad was dean of students at Mississippi State. So I forget and, that. Uh, so you're really truly a Mississippian yeah, that yeah. just sort of got, got wandered off for a little bit, lost exactly. your way. You we, lost uh, your way a little bit. I did. I did. I lost my way to Valdosta, Georgia, and that's that's kind of where I, I became friends. You know, with Buck Blue. Buck Blue was my next door neighbor there, and uh, so he kind of. I was a basketball guy. I loved basketball. You know, Kermit Davis was our neighbor. So uh, so I grew up, and I would come back every summer and go to. Uh, big Kermit's uh, basketball camps at Mississippi State every year. Didn't play football. Didn't want to play football. But, right, how uh, how old are we talking right? Are you talking 13 years old, 14, yeah. something like that? Yeah. So yeah. you're still I not playing football? No, nope, played my first year of football in eighth grade in uh, junior high. Wow. And um, but my basketball coach was also the head football coach. So he was the one that actually taught me into into playing football. And I went uh, – yeah, Of course. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they stuck me a quarterback, and and it kind of stuck with me for a couple of years. I liked it, but you know, when I got to high school, we had a couple of guys in front of me that uh, were pretty dang good. They were Buck Ballou and John Lastinger. So they st- they went on to win SEC championship. And Nash Buck that, that Buck was the quarterback that beat Notre Dame, right? Yeah, Buck was a national with, with Herschel in the yeah. background. Back though. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to win yeah. uh, with that guy. It's hard to lose with that guy. You know, it's pretty good. But uh, but uh, they stuck me at receiver, so I played receiver until uh, my senior year. Oh, um, come on. And uh, Yeah, I loved Oh, I loved it out there. You could actually play. You didn't have to think too you much. You still had to have somebody you throw, have but you had guys that could throw to you. We're talking to John Bond, obviously. Okay, so right now John Bond is a senior in high school. He hadn't played football until he was in eighth grade. He was a hooper, which is more my – cup of tea and 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 you at this point you're playing wide receiver you switch now did you run the wishbone when you came into the situation no, the next year what'd you the do opposite it was the opposite we actually ran you know a pro style offense you know had the eye in the backfield and uh, uh ran shotgun um you know it so we didn't yeah no option was involved man, <laughs> not, man, not oh, at all. Man. i didn't know what it was and uh emory had a crash course for me and about two weeks before school started in in the uh, summer of 1980, and you know August, and, and uh, in the Shire Field House with newspaper on the window, so nobody could see what we were doing in there. So it was it was a crash course, man. I tell you, I didn't know what I was getting into coming back. So you go, you you get back, and obviously this is where your your dad's brains come into hand. You got to be able to make quick decisions, right? So yeah, here we're, yeah. we're seeing the genetic thing work out here. Yeah, and you got to be able to save yourself with your feet because they're coming after you. And uh, and that was the rule back then. You know, if he's uh, uh, you know hit him anyway, it, whether he pitches it, gives it, or right. whatever, it didn't matter. So so I mean, I was getting lit up on every play, every and, play, uh, every play, every every play. In fact, my trainer. Strat, Stratton Caratostas, who uh, actually came from Georgia Southern uh, to Mississippi State with uh, Coach Polk. And, um, but he, uh, we invented the, the flak jacket back then was with the plastic. Had to make them ourselves. You're to, uh, kidding. So, that's, so this is where no. it came from. Yeah. I just think I'd have told the co- I think I'd have told Coach, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I like this whole pro style thing, and um, it'll keep me. It'll keep you know. It's funny that you, you know, as much as you've been, you know, Jim McMahon and I. Jimmy Mack is really yeah. one of the ones out in front. Had been out in front of the concussion protocol thing, and obviously the the hits he's taken. And he made the comment. He goes, "Nobody's going to want to hear this," you know, but. He mm-hmm. feels like players shouldn't play till they're like in tenth or eleventh grade because he goes, you could play some sort of football, you know, flag football. I guess is in his mind yeah. or whatever. But it, but you already know who your athletes are without getting hit. Sure. And, and obviously, sure. yeah, you do. You don't know your hitters yet. Now that's another thing. But you right. know, the brain's moving around. You're young. It's still not quite developed. And right. and obviously, the NFL's had to pay attention. And there's so much I want to talk to you about sports. And I want to get into basketball now. So okay. So you go. Oh, to, yeah. Wait, wait. So you're a basketball player. So tell me, basketball. What made you decide I'm not going to play basketball? Or did you go to state to do both? Well, he he wouldn't let me. Um, and it, at baseball too, you know, the White Sox drafted me in the twelfth round out of high school, and I was uh, Coach Polk wanted me to play baseball, but I just yeah. uh, Coach Ballard wanted me to stick with football, and that was my future. And, and I probably should have done them all three. You know, it would uh, kind of, you know, the thing is that I like about playing all three is that there are always crossover of, of uh, abilities. You know, things that you can do over here, you can learn from that and this sport and that sport. Is, there's right. a lot of crossover. And um, and the the 
one that's not so obvious is that it keeps you out of trouble. Well, <laughs> it keeps oh, well, you busy yeah. during that part of the year. During, so you're busy year-round. Now kids are busy year-round. Yeah, with one sport. But let's talk about that. So my brother, my brother Freddie is chief of staff at Campbell's Clinic. He studied under Andrews when he did his fellowship, and he became the he became chief of staff immediately. Uh, he was uh, the president of Orthopedic Association of America. He's a lot like me, can't you tell? Right? Wow. A lot, no, nothing, well, like, nothing <laughs> like me. But 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 he's also the Memphis Grizzlies orthopedic surgeon, and so we we talk about a lot of these things when I can get his attention to talk about it, but. The fact of you playing one sport, you're wearing and tearing out the same yep. parts of your body. And when we grew up playing go football, basketball, baseball, I'd play tennis. You have a little golf on the side, whatever it was. The bottom line was yep. you were moving, you were changing up the stress you were putting on certain tendons, ligaments, and bone, whatever you know. But the bottom line is the, that's what's happening. You're seeing kids get hurt now. Yep. Now they they know exactly. how to get you well quicker. And they know to get you on your feet rather than lay there for a while. And they figure that out. And they know the scars aren't nearly as big. But the time, the time out uh, and, and being away from sports, don't you think that when we grew up, I mean, I don't remember getting hurt a lot, knock on wood. And did you, did you get hurt a lot? No, I didn't. And, and I do. I attribute it to that. I'm with number 13, John Bond from the glory days of his, his glory days of Mississippi State. That's right. Tell me something. So there we're the birthplace of American music. We discovered all genres, as far as I'm concerned, influenced all the ones that sort of came out of out of here. So, yep. When you got Robert Plant coming over here to to honor somebody's grave, you know, you know that's uh, no that's something <laughs> that that pretty much says it. All right. So, being the birthplace of American music, lead us into the break. I'm going to give you Bruce Blackman or Tyrone Davis because I don't know. I just picked those two artists from from down here, and uh, I thought you'd lead us into the break with one of them. With Tyrone. Tyrone Davis or Bruce Blackman? You get a choice here. You can't do them both because I don't allow that. Oh man, this is the I, longest I this has ever I, taken. This this part, I like this. <laughs> Pick an act. You nailed it. You got me. <laughs> you ain't right. What'd you say, Bruce Blackman or Tyrone Davis? I said Tyrone. Okay, Tyrone, it is. We'll be right back. You just heard a, a, a fumble, like uh, seven fumbles by me. And uh, John Bond's going to bench me now. I'm Steve Azar. You are with John Bond. You are in a Mississippi Minute. Never. And, and we're having You're a great time. I am your guy. Stand by. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music. Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men wherever you download or stream. Head to head with Matt Wyatt and Richard Cross. Number one, number one, for the very best in sports. Weekday afternoons, 3 to 6, on Super Talk Mississippi.
Johnny Gunn, he's a guitar player Making next to nothing at a bar nowhere He says, damn the money In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar Right here on Super Talk Mississippi Counts his tips, buys a shot of booze Grabs a lucky strike, lights and hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar And you're on the backside of In a Mississippi Minute All 60 of them, because that's how we roll here in Mississippi I'm with number 13 uh, nothing unlucky about that. John Bond from the glory days of Miss, his his glory days of Mississippi State. Glory days. I like I like that song. <laughs> that, was good, that was a good one. Wasn't that a yeah. good one? I still, you know, Gwen keeps yeah. going. You know, okay, here he goes again. I'll talk about some some moment. You know, that in the scheme of things, <laughs> to yours was really minute. And but man, I'll make it sound good, and she'll go. She'll start going glory days, and I go, come on, man, let me have it. Let me just have it. <laughs> It's exa- I'm exaggerating, and it feels good, but let me just, you know, let me have it. I know it. I guarantee you. I guarantee, you know, it's funny how how, uh, how athletes always want to be musicians, and musicians want to be athletes, but you're a little of both, I think. Well, well. You, I'm you're a, a hoopster. Yeah, but I, I am. I do love it. And and, and and we're going to talk. This is what we're going to talk about now. So this is my controversy. Right. Well, let's go to the NCAs, but before we get there, we got to talk. I'm writing the song The Referee right now because I don't like any of them. Okay, so I don't, I don't know what it is. I just don't understand it. Some of the calls they make. We had some tough calls. We were in North State Finals, and I really, really love the boys. We play. We're playing Marshall Academy, and they were great kids, and they were competitive. And I love, and I totally right. respect that. And the coach is a really good coach. But we were down to the wire. We were up one, and anyway, they just. The bottom line is, they made a bad call. A really bad. Two or three really yep. bad calls. Uh, and then uh, one of them split the D. He hadn't had picked up a charging foul all year. And there's nobody near him on either side. And uh, no, there's nobody in front of him. They're both on the side. He's already in the air, and they call charging. It was huge. It was huge. Oh, wow. He put him on the bench for a little while. He had fourth foul. It was a game changer. We were about to go up seven and end one, and all of a sudden we're it's five, and then they score, and then it's only three. It just changed everything. So there wow. were some bad, yeah, bad calls. I, I don't so last week we had, you know, I, the referees did such a good job, and I started to, I started not to be able to have any, any inspiration for the rest of the song because I started <laughs> to like these. And then in the state championship, it was really, really good game, uh, St. Joe and, and Brookhaven Academy, and they, they, it was a double overtime. And, uh, yeah. and it could have happened anyway. But still, though, I guess what I'm saying is, in in general, when a referee looks at me, because I'm the I'm the I call myself the consultant, not the assistant, right? I started doing right. it to be with my son on the bench, Adrian, just so I could enjoy being with him because I was gone so sure. much, and just getting to enjoy him prosper here down at the high school I was at, and really become a good player. But and that was a you know that we were t- what we were talking about earlier is a big thrill, but. Referees would always reprimand me, you know. Even the ones that knew me and knew who I was, they would go, "Steve, you, you just, you know." Yeah. They would just, they just kind of give you that look, and you can't do anything because yeah. nope. And it hurts. It hurts not to be able to it do does. anything. So tell me, your, give me some, give me some stories. You know, obviously football is different. So from b- basketball, football coaches get to yell at them and spit on them and all that. But in basketball, you you have to sort of like, excuse me, can I uh, can I talk to you for a right. second? <laughs> can I have a minute? Yeah, like you're on the golf course. So yeah. tell me some ref. Yeah, you, I, got, uh, you got any ref well, stories? I tell you, my mom, I do. I got plenty. Um, my mom, I think that's where I get my aversion to refs from. Is my mother? <laughs> she really, she would sit behind the Mississippi State bench, bench and just wear them out and. Uh, so, dad games and, and but in junior high, this was for a regional championship 
game. We're playing in Waycross, Georgia, and we're down by one. Well, I intercept the ball on their end of the court, dribble, going in for the winning layup. The guy climbs my back, knocks me to the floor. Yeah. I'm actually still dribbling, and I slide out of bounds. Well, I stand up, and I, the ref's looking at me, and uh, and he turns, and when I, I just thought he was going to call foul on you know, the guy that climbed my back, and he called me for walking. Because <laughs> he didn't I know what to call. Because he didn't know what he was doing. I went, I'm getting, yeah, getting worked I up right now. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I am getting worked up. And I, I reared back and I hit him in the back of the head with a basketball. <laughs> my dad, my, my dad, my dad had to come out of the stands to get me. The guy knocked my shoe off. I had to go find my shoe. I mean, it was just so. I mean, it was unbelievable. But you know, and then in football, the uh, my sophomore year. We lost to Alabama. I threw a touchdown pass to Glenn Young, and they called uh, called it back for holding. Which uh, I mean, if you watch the play, there's no. They called. Actually, said it was Kent Hull, my center, and he was laying on the ground. Right. He got mashed right off the bat. You call holding on every call it. if you wanted to. I mean, yeah, that's the could, point. You know? It's situational. That's my point. When the game's on the line, there's right. eight seconds. Yeah. They're called no yep. calls. You know, and right. you can't call anything unless it's so no, obvious. I know it. And then, and then another game, another game that same year, we lost two SEC games, and that it was the uh, pass interference call in the end zone against us, mm. uh, against Ole Miss, and that was the two. We lost by three, and then we lost by four, and that's how far we were. Now the SEC edge of the pain of it sort of wears off, but the pain itself, the root of it all, never wears off, does right. it? Right, <laughs> never does. It still gets you worked up. I want to find that guy. Yeah, yeah, we had, we had, fin- we had some unfinished business. We're talking to John Bond. <laughs> all right, let's talk about yeah. this Cam Newton eligibility controversy. Uh, I want to jump into that for a second. So tell us about what happened there, because obviously your name was implicated in sort of the guy that, that sort of knew a lot. So what went down with that? Uh, basically, it was, you know, Cam's not a bad guy. It was his dad that was the issue. And he was just flat out asking for money. So you, you can't do that. You know, <laughs> so, and that's kind of, that's kind of where, uh, you know, but the thing is, the thing that Auburn, you know, I was I almost went to Auburn. And this was so, this was before he even signed. And I didn't bring it up to the NCAA. I didn't bring it up to anybody. I just told our guys, I said, hey, watch it. This guy's asking for money. He's going to get us in trouble. And you know how Mississippi State is. If we get called, they'll throw us under the jailhouse. You know, that's we kind of cooled the jets on him and let him go do what he was going to do. So, And he decided to go to Auburn. So that, you know, why he went to Auburn, I have no idea. Uh, the NCAA is now with the basketball. We're about to get into March Madness and all that stuff. So so I, yeah. I know Coach Izzo pretty well. I've done an event for him uh, up in uh, northern Michigan uh, years ago, and he's sent some stuff to our charity event. We still invite him, but it's, it's basketball time for him in the summer with his camps. He's a great guy, yeah. right? I'm not talking about a good guy. I'm talking about you just know when you meet somebody, he's a great guy, right? And so, yeah. Yeah, sure. so the whole thing right now with Bridges – and the $40 mill, uh, you see 400 and you see 40 whatever. So when an agent comes in and buys a kid that has that, that a mill, right? You're talking about you're at Applebee's or wherever the heck you are, right? You're at Georgia Blue. Let's talk about where that's, that's my brother, Jason. We're at Georgia Blue, and which makes yeah. sense with you. We're talking. And, and, you're, and you're there and, and the, you're, you're with a kid. I would buy the kid a mill because that's the nice, th- the right thing to do anyway. So how do you? Right. And, and they're putting in $100,000, $150,000 in the same grouping as you're putting the forty and the $100. And the, I mean, there's got to be some common sense and separation and not putting everybody in one punch bowl and going like, well, you guys are all, you all sinned and you broke the rules. Well, you just, you just, you just said it. There is no common sense 
with the NCAA. It's it's uh, they are an organization that if they want you, they can get you. It's just like you said about holding, they can you know uh, you know, they call holding on every play. Right. So if the NCAA has a beef against say Coach Cheryl, they can do whatever they want to to get him and and put put him under investigation. They don't even have to do anything other than say. Well, we're looking at the uh, Mississippi State program. Gotcha. You know, and that, whoop, you know, then it's everything stops. It's just like with Ole Miss. You know, the recruiting was killed. I mean, they were they got a death penalty without getting the death penalty because right. they drug it on and on and on. And it's, it, it, I am definitely not a fan of the NCAA, and uh, I, I don't know how you could be. I understand that there needs to be rules and regulations and things like that. But uh, but they're an institution that um, it's supposed makes to money be governing, the right? They're making money. So so let me ask you this: So why in the world? Why in the world would you? You think about LeBron and Kobe and all these guys that went straight to the straight to the NBA, right? They were ready, right? You know, yeah. You know, I was interviewing. We're talking to um, to Grant Fuhrer. He went straight into in the from high school into the minor league hockey program for about a week or two or whatever, and then he was starting right. starting. You know, for the Edmonton Oilers with Gretzky there, right, and Messier and all yeah. that. Why would you send somebody to school for a year, one year, when you can give them the opportunity, like in baseball, right, uh, to go to go ahead and and make a living? Because the bottom line is they're there for a year. It just doesn't. It only adds up to the big names coming in and and filling seats and making money versus thinking about the kid. And because one year is not enough, make them play three. Don't make or four. Make them graduate. Make right. them do something. Exactly. Or you know, you know, a kid coming out of high school, he could go and be a heavy equipment operator and make fifteen hundred dollars a week right off the bat. He doesn't have to do. They don't make him do anything. You know. No. I mean, no, it's, exactly. It's, just, it, it, it's ridiculous to make anybody do go to do anything. You know. I mean, these kids, this XFL, I bet they challenge that deal with the. Uh, uh, when they come, well, about kids coming out of high school and playing football, you know, because I mean, a kid can go and, and go straight to work if you want to, but he can't go to work for a football team. Right, right, can't go to work. Yeah, so it's just, it's just it's just absolutely maddening. And and you know, I, I like I said, I sort of bite my tongue a little bit, but but you know, it's just yeah, I, common I, sense rule in life itself is to me yeah. the most important thing. And obviously. Uh, it gets it gets a lot of people worked up, and obviously people are able to go on onto on social media now and get and probably need to take the twenty four hours before they say anything. <laughs> always, <laughs> always, a, always a good rule, right? You know, if, it, if the first thing that comes in your mind you spit out all the time, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, yep. so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. We're talking to John Bond. Uh, he's become a brother, a really, really good friend, and I look forward to uh, spending time with uh, you, John, uh, whenever we can. Uh, we're going to be right yeah. back. You are in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Head-to-head with Matt Wyatt and Richard Cross. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Big, big fan of both of you guys. Weekday afternoons, 3 to 6, on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Driving this 
Everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. Uh, we're in the very back half of that Mississippi Minute. Uh, we're with John Bond, and he is now driving his son, going to get their daughter from high school. I, li- I like this. The Michael Waltrip was on the golf yeah. course. It's what we are. We, we like taking you with us. No, I love it. You're taking me with you. We're in the, we're in the car. We're riding. Everybody gets that visual. Hey, so tell me, let's take me to the, the my time I spent riding in Nashville before I got had my first hit and, and, and record deal and all that. I was in the elevator, yeah. and the guy that was in there with me was, uh, was in sort of a track suit. And uh, he says, how you doing? I went, I'm good. How you doing? And really nice, nice guy. His name was Garth Brooks. And Garth Brooks yeah. obviously was a big fan of yours. So I want you to tell our listeners uh, the story um, because I-, I love this story. I- you could tell me it a hundred times and I feel like I hadn't heard it yet. So uh, t- tell me about your introduction <laughs> to Garth Brooks, start to finish. It was uh, Garth played in, uh, in Starkville back, I think it was 90, 92. Coach Cheryl had just you know, got in the coaching job there. And the reason I know this is because the guy that was with him, Stratton Caritasis, called me and told me that after this happened this next day, and he said, he called me and said, John, John, you're never going to believe what happened. I said, what? He said, well, you know, Garth played here last night, and uh, Coach Cheryl wanted to meet him. So Coach Cheryl and I got in line, and we waited in line until we got there to shake his hand. And, and he said, uh, hey, Coach Cheryl, how are you doing? Do you know John Bond? <laughs> and, Coach, <laughs> and Coach Cheryl was kind of taken aback a little bit. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, well, yeah, I, I recruited him and, you know, this, that, and the other. And so that's how I got this story. That was from Strat. <laughs> Strat told me that, and I didn't believe him, you know, and I all oh, whatever. Well, I was at my mom's on the coast later that year, and I think it was December of 92, and he was playing at the Gulf Coast Coliseum. So I said, all right, I'm going to find out if this is true. So I called a buddy of mine, and he's a guy that can talk his way into or out of anything. <laughs> So I said, uh, can you get us in this uh, this concert? Because I told him that story. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they've got a gun show going on at the at the uh, net right next to it, and uh, we can go through there. Yeah, come on, come get me. <laughs> so so I went and got him, and we eased through the gun show and, and go uh, find a door that's not guarded and walk into the Coliseum. Well, by that time, that's my kind of way. Said, by the hey, way, what? by the way, yeah. that's the way we yeah, roll. I like that. So keep going. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So uh, the, about that time, the guy, some guy comes up and says, "Hey, what are y'all doing?" And Steve told him the story. You know, the Garth wanted to meet me and all that. And he said, "Well, I'll go find him and see if that's true." So we stood right there, and then <laughs> about that time, the Coliseum director says, "Hey, John, you know the SEC championships on in my office. Won't you come to my office and and watch uh, the game?" <laughs> So we did. We went and watched uh, uh, Florida and Alabama, very first one in Birmingham. And by uh, halftime, you know, I hadn't seen the guy, so we went ahead and left. And, and uh, uh, as we're walking out, the guy said, uh, hey, yeah, I found Garth. And he said he'd never heard of you. I said, well, see there, okay. So we're, we're walking out, and uh, the first guy I ran into said, John, John, where are you going? I found Garth, and he said, the first thing he said was, y'all didn't run him off, did you? <laughs> so, you got one bit so of bad go, information, uh, right? Yeah, we did. We got the bad information. And uh, so I go down to the floor and, and uh, wait on him, and they had like 500 people won a contest to hear the <laughs> sound check. And, and I'm out there on the floor, and by the time I hear, John, John, and it was somebody way up at the top of the Coliseum waving a towel. 
running down the stairs. They came up and hugged my neck, and it was Garth, obviously. He hugged my neck and said, man, I love watching you play. It was unbelievable. You know, it just went on and on and on. So, I love so it. was it. really good meeting him. Yeah, he ended up giving us a bunch of tickets, and we got to hang out a little bit, so it was a lot of fun. He's a good guy. Well, he's a great guy, and he's also smart, very smart, and and also he was a heck of an athlete. You know, he's a good baseball, good ball player, and I think that you know I always talk about yeah. athletics and and entertainment or anything you're doing in your life to be able. You know, I think it's important to play sports, uh, to have the arts, to uh, enrich the entire body. You know, so that way you can become a well-rounded individual, and uh, and obviously sports teach you how to just get the stew beat out of you. He teaches you how to how to handle losing. And I, I'm, I'm becoming a cliche on my own radio show, but I just think it's so important uh, for, for kids growing up to understand the value of competing and everything that comes with no, it. No question. It's, you're not giving anything. And I hope this, this day and age of everybody gets a trophy thing is over. I, I've got a feeling it's trying to hang in there, but it, it's <laughs> never was established in my household, and it never will be. <laughs> you got to earn it to get it, and no. uh, if you don't, if you don't work, you're not, it's not going to happen. I hope that sticks. <laughs> no, no, that's no. the worst thing that could ever happen to us. All right, well, listen, brother, I appreciate <laughs> you so much. Everybody, we have been with the fabulous John Bond, whose better half, Mary Beth is like my better half Gwen and uh, you've been in the Mississippi Minute and I I can't thank you enough John for being on the show thank you Steve I appreciate you buddy look forward to June love you brother travel safe love you man I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute all 60 of them where you can take your sweet time a Super Talk Mississippi media production